The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents. I grew up in a small town in North Florida, and while I was exposed to other languages as a child... I only knew and spoke English before I joined the Air Force to become a linguist. I knew learning a new language to become a linguist would be enlightening, but while I was learning Farsi, I came to see that learning another language isn't as simple as learning lists of vocabulary and rules of grammar. If you truly want to become fluent, somewhere along the way you have to learn how to think differently, sometimes even how to feel differently. Buongiorno, listeners. Salam alaikum. Howdy. No matter how you want to say it, I'm here to wish you a good morning. I'm Michael Kavnat. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I don't know how many languages you speak, but I can tell you if it's more than one, even if you only learn a smattering of phrases in another language, it can open doors for you in surprising ways. It sure did for Ian Fritz. He was a mediocre high school student who couldn't get into college, but after joining the Air Force, he was sent to the Defense Language Institute and studied Dari and Pashto, the main languages of Afghanistan. Turned out he was pretty good at them, and pretty soon Ian became a cryptologic linguist, eavesdropping on conversations and trying to separate Taliban fighters from non-combat civilians. It gave him an uncomfortably intimate window into the war, and after leaving the Air Force, Ian went back to school and became a physician. He's written about his experience in the new memoir, What the Taliban Told Me, and he joins us now to share some of the insights he gained along the way. Learn another language and listen to the world change. Whether Charlemagne actually said it or not, to speak another language really is to possess a second soul. I grew up in a small town in North Florida, and while I was exposed to other languages as a child, I only knew and spoke English before I joined the Air Force to become a linguist. I knew learning a new language to become a linguist would be enlightening, but I thought it would be like all the learning I'd done in school before that, mostly just an accumulation of facts. But while I was learning Farsi, I came to see that learning another language isn't as simple as learning lists of vocabulary and rules of grammar. If you truly want to become fluent, somewhere along the way you have to learn how to think differently, sometimes even how to feel differently. This is, admittedly, hard work, but it is completely worth it. Because once you learn enough, once you can stop translating from your native tongue into another language, once you can start thinking in that new language, be it about something as simple as choosing the right word for a specific situation, or something as complicated as figuring out how to tell someone you love them, you can't help but hear, and therefore see, the world anew. The way we wage war has changed, and not always for the better. It is now possible, sometimes even preferable, to conduct a significant portion of a warfighting effort from thousands of miles away, thanks to the advent of drones and other recent new technologies. Even if you're not halfway across the world, but actually deployed to the place where the war is happening, there are other positions that allow you to contribute to the fight from afar. I was technically overhead the battles I was in, but even then, I was thousands of feet away from the enemies we were fighting. This type of warfare has its benefits, at least for the more technologically advanced fighters, 
the U.S., and other Western countries see far fewer casualties than they did in wars past. However, this battlefield safety comes at a cost for those fighting these strange, asynchronous wars. There is significant moral confusion that can arise from knowing that you've killed an enemy, despite never seeing that enemy, never being threatened by that enemy, or even never being in the same time zone as that enemy. While our modern warfare has allowed us to save lives on the battlefield, outside of combat, veteran suicide rates have never been higher, which begs the question of whether these changes are necessarily good ones. You can't kill an idea. Most wars throughout history have been centered around ideas, be it which countries should own which land, which people deserve to be murdered, or which dictator should have all the power he wants. The war in Afghanistan was no different from these other wars, in that it, too, was about ideas. But unlike most other wars, it wasn't about whether one idea was right or wrong, it was about killing certain ideas. For our part, we convinced ourselves that we had managed to kill the Taliban, for a time. Not long after our invasion, the Taliban capitulated en masse, and the regime fell. What we failed to account for was the immutable fact that everything dies twice, once when it's killed, and again when its name is uttered for the last time. There was a great irony here, in that it was we who kept saying the name, kept keeping the idea of the Taliban alive, until one day, they really were resurrected, more powerful than before. The Taliban, too, was, and still is, obsessed with killing an idea, that of democracy and basic human rights for all. But they're making the same mistake that we did. Every time they try to name the women's rights that they've destroyed, they invite us to remember that there are still those brave women, and men, in Afghanistan who will fight against the Taliban's tyranny. No one to ask for help. As a linguist on board Special Operations Aircraft, it was all but impossible to ask for help. No one else on the plane was trained as a linguist, and the technology that might have allowed me to ask for help from someone outside the specific plane I was on didn't exist. My position was, by design, one man deep. I was trained to rely on myself, to find ways to try and solve sometimes unsolvable problems, usually in the heat of battle. This meant that in the months that I spent struggling with depression, moral injury, and ultimately suicidal thoughts, all I knew how to do was try and solve the problem myself. What I couldn't see was that there are some problems that are too big for one person to address, no matter how hard that person tries, no matter how much they want to solve it. Sometimes, maybe even most of the time, we have to believe that others want to help us, that it's okay to ask for help, and that even if we are in a one-man or woman-deep position, we're never truly alone in our fights. If you listen long enough, anything, maybe even everything, can change. It might sound like this is a repeat of insight number one, but it isn't. The change I'm talking about here doesn't require learning a new language, though you should still do that, seriously. The sort of change I mean here is that which comes from listening to the stories of those who you either wouldn't normally listen to, or those whose story you already think you know. For me, the first time I understood that this change was possible came from my time listening to the Taliban. The Taliban as an organization is still a blight on the earth, but so many of the individual members of the Taliban were, or are, average humans who have simply grown tired of war and will do just about anything to bring it to an end. It would be easy to think that this insight might only be true for such extreme experiences as fighting in a war, but that isn't the case. 
When I went to medical school after leaving the Air Force, I saw time and again how different a patient's story could be from the one that had been documented in their chart, how their life could be changed by proper listening. And since leaving medical school, I've seen time and again just how important it is to listen to the stories of others and watch how everything you thought you knew about them can change. Thank you, Ian. Okay, folks, I hope you'll come back tomorrow when we'll wrap up the week with some big ideas from the book Uncertain, The Wisdom and Wonder of Being Unsure by Maggie Jackson. I'm not certain about much, but I'm pretty sure you'll get something out of Maggie's insights. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.